0: And now, The Low Post.
1: Welcome to The Low Post podcast on a Thursday afternoon. It's gloomy. It's foggy. The snow we had for two seconds is melting. There are 12 sleds in my yard. It's a graveyard of neighbor kid sleds. And it's time to talk about the Eastern Conference. And when I think ESPN and I think East, I think born in Long Island, Jersey Shore reveler back in in her glory days, Big East basketball star, current Northeast resident, and like all of us, semi-frequent visitors over the years to Cleveland and Milwaukee, two of the other teams we're going to be talking about today. Hall of Famer, just the absolute best in every sense, someone who makes me smile every time I interact with her. Doris Burke, it's so wonderful to see your face. How are you?
2: I am superb, and I'm just going to say this about all the sleds in your yard. You want to be the house as the parent that the kids come to. That's a good thing. Let those sleds pile up. Let the bikes pile up in your yard. That's a very good thing.
1: You know, we have a little downslope in our backyard that's perfect for sledding for anyone like age 3 to 10. By 10, you want the steeper hill. Even even my daughter who's 8 wants the steeper hill, but it's cool that everyone comes to her house. But let me tell you, the amount of hot chocolate going on (laughs) – the amount of journeying my wife has to do from outside to inside and inside to outside. The house is all wet and disgusting. But I'll tell you what, I'm elite at Dorsburg. I'm an elite sledder. And as the heaviest guy in the household, I am the track setter. I'm the one that's got to get out there and sit my carve fat
2: ass path. on the sled carve and carve the path. path. <laughs> that's so great. That was one of my favorite things. Like, I remember buying both my kids for one Christmas, like snowboards and anything fast that would go down the hill. Thank God I had my children young cuz I could still semi balance on a small hill. I love that stuff. To this day I love that stuff.
1: I don't ski. I don't me snowboard. Neither. I don't want I don't want to ski. People are trying to get me to ski and I'm just like I'm like Larry David in Kirby enthusiasm. I don't want to do it. It's too much stuff, but I will sled. Doris Burke, you have on Saturday Milwaukee mm-hmm. Philly. In mm-hmm. Milwaukee, I believe, right? It is, yeah. We must start this podcast, and I say this after having done 15 TV shows in the last 10 days, where the segment is always, "Well, what are the Lakers? What are the? Do La- <laughs> you think the Lakers can get in? Can the Lakers yeah. go on a run? There yeah. is a team
2: yeah.
1: with maybe the greatest basketball player in the world, mm. who has won 16 consecutive games of professional basketball.
2: Yeah. We
1: can't even get them on 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 TV other than a highlight package. The Milwaukee Bucks. I picked to win the championship at the beginning of the year. They are up to now first in defense with a bullet. They have taken over from Cleveland and Memphis, the number one spot in defense. Chris Middleton is back coming off the bench still.
2: I was he's- curious about that. I was going to ask you about that. Knowing we were talking Milwaukee, why? he's 20 games in now of uh, being back now. I'm not sure if that's consecutive, but whatever. I, I was going to ask you why you think they're they're continuing with that.
1: Well, his health has been so precarious over the last two years, and the start and stop of his comebacks every time something seems to set him back, I think they've been very cautious. It has extended long enough that in the past couple days I've asked people there, um, I thought I kind of thought this was going to be over by now. Like, is he just going to be a, a sixth man? And the response I get is like laughing emojis and no, he's going to start again soon-ish. Soon-ish, maybe, but that's the soon-ish is what I've been hearing for a month now. Um, But yes, they're number one in defense. They just acquired Jay Crowder. Their starting five, I think, when they get serious is going to be Holiday, Middleton, Giannis. I think they'll keep Grayson Allen in there for his shooting. I might try Connaughton, but I think they'll have Grayson Allen and Brooke Lopez. Their next three off the bench are Connaughton in in that scenario, Bobby Portis, who's back, Jay Crowder just acquired, and that's before you get to Joe Ingles or Javon Carter, who are probably nine and 10 and both offer, I think, important skills for them. All of a sudden, they look deep. They look versatile. They can play lots of different lineup types. Yep. And I don't know if it's just that they're in Milwaukee, if it's that Middleton's been injured for a lot of the year, if it's their 19th on offense and people are like, well, that's weird. Um, but it's just not getting enough attention. Where do you? They're s- not
2: 19th in offense anymore. They're averaging 100 and almost 124 points per game in this stretch. And Giannis was talking last night after, after the win about, you know, the ball's moving and we're getting multiple driving kicks and it's flying around. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to go back and watch it. And uh, he said, we're playing with force. Listen, when they were scuffling, and I'll even go back to their championship season. Um, Zach because you correct me if I'm wrong but that whole run to the championship it felt like their half court offense was sketchy we know what they do defensively um, but, but now all of a sudden their offense is humming and, and you know Matt Williams our great uh, research guy he, he sends out that, that email every morning at some obscene hour but what he, what he did say in, in the bottom piece of his little wrap up about the Bucks. And I found it interesting after reading Giannis' comments. He said the Bucs in their half-court are basically playing faster. So their half-court sets have gone from taking almost 16 seconds to about 14 and a half. So they just feel different offensively. And and one thing I would say, and I know all of a sudden because Mr. Perkins has said some interesting things, the the MVP conversation is, is getting testy again. We have to start looking at Giannis. I mean, they're seven and five without him. Yes, I know that he's missed 12 games. But what he's doing, I didn't realize he has the opportunity to become the first person in history to average 31 points, 12 rebounds, and five assists. Um, if my if my note is correct, that's that's never happened. He's he's closing that gap. And if he stays healthy and on the floor, that should be a hell of a race.
1: You know, we might we might get to Tatum for a second later because I I, yeah. I I do want to talk about Boston for just a second. He's averaging 30 points, nine rebounds, four and a half assists. And I don't want to say he's become an afterthought in the MVP conversation. But Big it's time. like it's like 39 and four and a half. And it's like, well, yeah, I might put him fourth, fifth. Right. Like, maybe Luca will be ahead of him. It's like, it's insane. Yeah, Giannis is 31, 12, and five. And Milwaukee, to be clear, they are still 19th in offense. They've, they've been better lately. They were like 23rd. They're 19th and they're 19th in the half court. I agree with you that they are surging. They've started to make threes. Ingles has helped with his passing off the bench. And the stat that just is, is even though I know intuitively why this is, Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday, their three best players, have only played 123 minutes together the entire season. Yeah. And with Middleton coming off the bench, there are some games where he only plays like two minutes with those other two guys. And the middleton Giannis pick and roll has been their go-to play since they came together, really, Drew has has picked up a lot of that slack this year. But I, I I kind of Chris looks ready to me in recent games. To he looks more like himself in terms of his lift, his confidence, his kind of snap on his jump shot. When they start playing those guys together more and with the added depth and looks, I, I think their offense will be good enough. Their defense, I mean. So they're allowing for the season 109.1 points per 100 possessions. That's number one in the league. When they have Holiday, Giannis, and Lopez on the floor, there is not a better threesome defensively on Earth. Not on Mars, not not in the Milky Way on defense and those three guys. That number drops to 105.6. I mean, it's like a joke how good they are defensively. And that's where they've always hung their hat. And that's where they're going to hang their hat. We're big, we're physical. You are not getting to the rim. Their weakness was always, they gave up too many threes. Well, now they're giving up the fourth few threes, the fourth few shots at the rim. They have no weaknesses on defense.
2: That's, that's been the critical change. And I remember asking Mike Budenholzer, and you and I talked about this when we visited earlier in the year, when I asked him, when I had him, I think in the preseason, I said, why are you making the tweak? Is it simply because, you know, the Celtics and that, huge disparities like listen the three three-point shooting has just gotten too good you know it feels like there's every team has multiple guys that can space you out and honestly Zach you know some of this is what you said you know the things Brooke Lopez can do defensively the way he can man the paint, his communication skills I almost liken him to a catcher who's who's calling out everything he sees in front of him I always think of one of the most undervalued skills as a defender is how much talking are you doing i'm a big believer in talking defensively i'm a big believer in body language there's continuity there they know who they are and how they win and and you know what it's interesting reading mike budenholzer's and some of his teammates comments you know drew's been there a bit zach And yet when you read the comments, they're still marveling at what this guy does. You know, they play my, they win against the Suns. They play Miami. I think Miami is the game. Giannis goes out in the first quarter. Yep. You know, you know, you know, Miami is always going to be belligerent and cranky. And I mean that the best possible way. Belligerent. Uh, I like
1: that. They are belligerent,
2: belligerent in the best possible way, cranky and tough. And no matter who's on the floor and you know, they're going to just keep coming at you. Um, and it gets a little shaky, and then Drew all of a sudden says, nope, nope, this isn't happening. We're winning this basketball game. He's been absolutely fantastic. The Bucks are impressive. Um, do you think I'm out of line on the, on the Giannis MVP? And I, 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 that's the other thing I wanted to ask you is, why do you think in the season Jason Tatum is having, he's getting so little run as well, an MVP candidate?
1: because because Giannis is averaging 31 12 and 5 and the Bucks have at least temporarily passed Boston in the standings and Jokic is doing what he's doing for the number one team in the West so the sort of the early Tatum thing was well the best player on the best team is supposed to get the MVP that's how that's how this works it's less clear at least record wise that Boston is the best team I think Boston is still the most complete team in the league Mm-hmm. Um, but record wise, it's, it's neck and neck with both Denver and Milwaukee, who are the current number one seeds. Milwaukee is currently the number one overall seed. And then, you know, Embiid is is unbelievable. And defensively, I think, is when he dials it up is the with Giannis right there is the biggest defensive force, um, carries a heavy load on offense for a team that has switched starting lineups around him, has had some injury issues and all that stuff. I just think the, and Luca, like I, the numbers are insane. And yes,
2: they are. The team around he, he him could,
1: just isn't that good.
2: He could finish fifth. I, I, I mean, as it stands right now, I think he'd probably finish fourth. And, um, I had the chance to sit with him and do a that little film sessions act. And Tatum.
1: Uh, yeah, I saw that. It was great.
2: Yeah. I, you know, the subtleties, uh, the, the little nuances, you know, the, the speed with which he reads progressions. The only thing that happened that I would have, would have hoped it could have been different. We were there obviously for the all access. Joe Missoula happens by, he said, Hey, I heard you doing this. Show me your clips. And I show him, And they were all driven by Tatum's improvement, you know, career high restricted area finishing career high threes attempted, free throws attempted, blah, 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 blah. You, everybody knows the story where he's better. But um, Joe comes in and he's like, well, and he, you know, he picked the clips with something in mind and, or, and, Joe sees the first clip. He's well. This is a two for one, and here's the trigger. Um, Blake's in that corner, and Grant's over here. And I'm thinking, oh damn it! I wish I had five more minutes to get <laughs> the context of the coach's perspective. Um, but what what growth you've seen from Jason Tatum? And I don't mean that just between the lines. There's just a confidence and an understanding of what's coming at him nightly. Um, that's 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 pretty special.
1: Well, I do feel like we are on a clash. And and Philly's going to have something to say about this. A couple other teams, including a team near and dear to your heart that we're going to talk yeah. about shortly, are going to have yeah. something to say about this. Mm-hmm. I just still think Milwaukee and Boston are the two best teams in the East. And then there's a drop-off. And Philly has an upside, maybe not equal to those teams, but close enough that if they beat them four times in seven, I wouldn't be that surprised. But Philly's issue has always been how consistently can we hit our upside and can we hit it when it really matters, when the chips are down. So I think – Milwaukee Boston is still the safe bet for the Eastern Conference Finals. Can I just
2: add add something on Philly? Absolutely. should hear the dialogue I have in my own head about the Philadelphia 76ers.
1: Doris, this has been six years for me. I go to bed and I'm like (laughs) thinking about Tony Roten and Markel Fultz. And wait, what did they give up for Jimmy Butler? And how is he not on the team anymore? And then my wife is like, will you stop tossing and turning so we can go to Sleep. Stop thinking about the Sixers. (laughs) Even she knows I'm thinking about the Sixers.
2: Yeah, but they they have these moments where they show you a level that you go, oh, yeah, they could beat those two teams in a seven-game series. And I've heard you discuss this on your podcast, how unstoppable, you know, James and and, uh, Joel are, because Joel will just two-point you to death in that little slot free throw you know, elbow area. I love what-
1: I love that phrasing, Doris, because there just there aren't that many guys anymore who can two point you to death, and he is mm. one.
2: Oh, he'll two point you to death. His jumper is so silky, um, and it's funny because you know they 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 have that moment where they started to ascend the the standings in the East, and in the whole time I'm watching them, and I'm not catching every game, but I'm I live here, so that's my home broadcast, and. Um, I'm watching them ascend, and I'm still thinking, well, I don't even think they've reached their peak. And so there's climbing, and I'm going, there's more to get to. But then I watch Philly-Boston, and I'm nitpicking them a little bit. I am nitpicking here. But it's Philly-Boston. They have command. Game changes in the fourth. Al Horford starts raining threes. But the little subtle moments, and I think it might have been Kyle. There's a couple guys you know that do just an incredible job covering them. Somebody tweeted something like, And this is why they won't win or, you know, they don't sustain it hard enough for long enough. And there were two moments in the the Boston game, Um, you know, transition opportunity. Joel is running back in transition, but Robert Williams is three steps behind him. Dead sprint to the rim. Jalen puts the bounce pass. Oh,
1: beautiful pass.
2: Dunk, dunk. And then uh, James Harden was the lone guy back. I can't, I think it was bad floor balance, maybe after a turnover, whatever the situation was, it's James Harden. It was the finger roll by by Jalen. And I'm like, this is what I'm talking about. And I know I'm nitpicking those moments, and every team goes through it, but this is where I have that dialogue in my head. Like, damn it, run harder. <laughs> you know? Like-
1: well, transition defense was an issue for them at the beginning of the season, like a horrible one. They cleaned it up a little bit. It's still a little bit of an issue, but you're right. There's there's a minute, a combined minute, every high-stakes Philly game in the regular yeah. season. When you're like, well, this is why I can't quite trust these guys. And some of it right. is transition defense. Some of it is like Harden, Embiid, switch. And Harden just decides, oh, you have a guard on you. I don't get out of my way. I don't care. I'm going to be James Harden from 2018. And you're like, can you just give the ball to Joel Embiid? Now, sometimes it's okay to be James Harden from 2018 against a big guy because you'll hit your step back three and you can still get to the rim. I don't know. I, but I, I do think Philly is in the inner circle of contenders. But Milwaukee, Boston. is 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 the cream of the crop in the east and if you remember last year doris last last day of season milwaukee has a chance to claim the number two seed and home court advantage against boston they punt the game they punt the game they sit everybody except drew holiday who i think had a bonus on the line so they played him for eight seconds and he fouled and they took him out they lose they flip to the three seed and all of a sudden they have game seven on the road in boston they regretted that at the time. At, once it became clear where game Seven was going to be, that there was going to be one, they, oh my God, they've regretted it since. I think this is going to be a real fight for the number one seed. Boston, by the projection systems, is still a slight favorite to get it because mm. they have an easier schedule and 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 I think a, a maybe one extra home game compared to the Bucs. They have one head-to-head game left, but I think that's going to be interesting, but You know, you can sit here and tell me it doesn't matter if if the Bucs are fully healthy, if the Celtics are fully healthy. It doesn't matter where the games are. They didn't have Middleton last year. I just, to your point about Drew and his toughness and Giannis, there's just a certain hunger with this group coming Mm -hmm. off last year that Mm -hmm. has stuck with me since they lost that series. And now you look at their team. When they're whole, they have more lineups that they can get to with Giannis at center now that they have Crowder there. And, a, mm-hmm. and with Crowder, a second big wing defender withdrew to split That's up right. those assignments that went to Wes Matthews or Grayson Allen having to guard yep. Jalen Brown last year. They can I, was, go.
2: I was just thinking that exact matchup is Jalen Brown. Drew, 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 I mean, uh, Jay Crowder on Jalen Brown and making things difficult on him. I was curious about something you said earlier when we first jumped on about starting Connaughton over Grayson Allen. Your, your rationale for that is...
1: I just think he's better and yeah, okay. and, yeah. and he's not going to get targeted relentlessly on defense the way Grayson yeah. Allen right. would but right. but Bud is going to opt for shooting above all else in that spot and that's fine like it doesn't really matter it, yeah. if it, it doesn't matter to me but you know they can play the Giannis Portis front line with no Lopez has always been good for them. They can now go Crowder Portis if they want to at the four and the five. They just have a lot of different ways they can play. And you see, you see them during games now. Remember how switch phobic they used to be? Yeah. Now they'll yeah. be like, you know what, Brooks on the bench. Let's just like switch everything. We'll put Bobby Portis on guard. They just they feel to me, and not just because they've won 16 games in a row, they they just feel to me like a team that is gearing up now. For the postseason run, and man, Giannis—he's just—he's just a bear to do. Did they, you make a? Did you make a preseason title pick, by the way? Do you do that I or did, no?
2: I didn't. But here's what I'd like in that. So, so what are we doing in the West? I know we're not here to talk West, and we're not going to talk West. But to your point about gearing up and gaining momentum at the appropriate time. Um, who did that last year in the West? It's what we're still searching for outside of Denver. Who's been remarkably consistent. But of those teams that we projected to be tough outs, the Clippers, et cetera, et cetera. You're waiting for somebody to catch their rhythm over there. Milwaukee has their rhythm and I can't wait to see it in person. It's different. I said this last night, this last night was my first opportunity, Zach, to see Cleveland in person. And. You can watch a lot of tape. You can watch all the clips. You can you know, see every score that Evan Mobley has when he when he has a great game by just clicking one button. But the fact of the matter is there's something different about seeing it live. And I I am so excited to watch Philly-Milwaukee Saturday night. Can't wait. The number one team, I think, is going Dallas-Lakers, which means Mark Jones and I will get a rare glimpse of the Saturday-Prime matchup, which is fabulous. So it's going to be fun.
1: It's going to be a great game. It's a good test for Philly. <laughs> um and and you know boston has philly's number 2 i'm sure that's frustrating to them um going back to the, sort of the like do we really trust philly I'll ne- i i they have all the talent my i guess my concern with my other concern with philly is you know they're starting Melton now for defense which which is fine that lineup has been really really good for them um and in melton and tucker you have two guys who you can match up against you know if you face a team like boston and there aren't many teams like Boston who have two elite wings, or Milwaukee with with whoever you want to put Tucker on, probably Giannis. Um, you have the you have theoretical matchups for it, but you see a lot of times like Tucker's almost 38. All right, the the burden he can handle is not quite as heavy. And there are a lot of nights because you have to hide James Harden on the worst right. offensive player or the weakest offense. We just have to, regardless of position. Where I just the thing that makes me most nervous about them, other than all this other stuff or trust stuff we're talking about, is. I just feel like every other game, Tobias Harris is in a defensive matchup where I'm like, ugh. Mm. I kind of don't like Tobias Harris in like guarding mm. Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum or a quicker guard than him. Or I just right. I something about the way they have to match up as as an accommodation a, a to Harden's let's say disinterest in playing real defense um, makes me nervous. For the ones who get it done. Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com, or just stop by. Because of the eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We have to talk about what's happening in New York. Your New York Knicks. Mike Breen's New York Knicks. Spike Lee's New York Knicks. Are thirty-seven and twenty-seven? They are, and I had to check this ten times to make sure my computer wasn't broken. Because <laughs> we think of a Tom Thibodeau team as a defense-first team, and this team is 100. physical and tough and rugged. They're, They're fifth in offense.
2: Yeah. One hundred and nineteen points per game in this little streak. Just about one hundred and eighteen point eight. Fifth.
1: <laughs> fifth in offense. I looked yeah. at them I'm like, is that a how? How is that even? And 13th in defense now. Since December 1st, they are 27-15. and 15, Fourth in offense, seventh in defense, third best net rating in the league. They are one game behind the Cavs. They now currently have the tiebreaker over the Cavs. They have a much harder schedule than the Cavs, so they are a big underdog to catch them for the fourth seed. But it looks like we are heading toward the Donovan Mitchell Bowl in the first yeah. round of the playoffs, the team that got them and the team that didn't.
2: Yep. And, what a delicious, what a delicious storyline in the playoffs. Seriously,
1: and I'm telling you, Doris, I'm in on the Knicks. I was high I on them too. to start the season. I did not see this coming. I th- I thought like seventh and 44 wins, like I would, whatever yeah. the over under was. I was telling people bet the over. Yeah. I think they could beat Cleveland in the playoffs. I'm not sure I would pick, but I think that's an even matchup. I think they could beat Philly in a playoff series. And no, I I I can't. I can't go to the Milwaukee Boston stratosphere quite yet with these guys, but I think, I think something real is going on. Um, and this team is just, is just really, you must, you you must be having a blast watching this.
2: So, so you mentioned, you know, I think whatever date you mentioned, I don't know if, if that was when Tom Thibodeau decided to shorten the rotation, but the numbers look really good from that point, their record against plus 500 teams over their last 10 games. Um, I wonder, like, so last year felt like such a rough year. Julius was fighting with everybody. It didn't feel good, right? Where I, I was, I can't I think it was Fred Katz from The Athletic who covers him said something like, the vibes are immaculate, which is terminology, whatever, in this day and age, in the locker room. And, like, Whenever you have a Knicks game, one thing Tibbs talks about is when Jalen Brunson showed up, he went immediately to the practice facility and then 10 other guys reported shortly thereafter. And you think about what Jalen brings as a basketball player, the number of times Jalen will step in front of a massive body coming downhill to take a charge. How quickly does he move it, Zach, if he's starting to, last night he he goes off in the first half and I haven't had a chance to watch that, but he's going off in the first half double team comes and he moves it quickly all of those little subtle things and and the, and the willingness to be coached cuz cuz Tibbs is going to coach you um the willingness to be coached i mean i don't want to give all of this massive credit but i feel like there was this narrative we they've overpaid him and that's ridiculous given what we've seen and um what a season for him what a season for for julius and they know who I said. You know the Bucks know who they are and how they win. They get to the offensive window. They get to the free throw line. They play hard as hell. Um, you you add Josh Hart, who now helps Quentin Grimes deal with you know really difficult wings. Um, do I love everything that's going on? Of course I do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so. Um... Jalen Brunson was never overpaid. I don't want to get into the summer commentary. I I called it when it happened. I said, this is fine. It's a B. It's a B deal. This is not some overpaid. This is a fine contract. It's turned into an A+. And my favorite thing about Jalen Brunson, it's not the charge-taking. It's not the flopping and the flailing. And he does it. You just got to admit it. You love Jalen Brunson and say he flops. That's fine. It's not the ridiculous one-on-one scoring. And he's quicker than you think. People are like, oh, it's all footwork and trickery. It's a lot of that, but he's, his first step is quicker than you think. It's the sense he has for, in an offense that is, is pretty, no disrespect intended, it's pretty basic. Like There's not a lot of complex movement. and set, yeah. it, It's a lot of one-on-one stuff. They're,
2: they're and, ISO. They're the second heaviest ISO team in the league, I think.
1: Yeah, behind Dallas. And they're about to catch Dallas to, for, for the number one spot. And he's a great ISO player. He just has this sense for when... Someone needs a touch like Barrett hasn't gotten a ball in a while. Yeah. You know what, RJ? Come screen for me because I think they're going to switch. And if they switch, you'll have a good matchup. Or I think they're going to trap. And if they trap, I'll hit you on the roll. You know what, Julius? I feel like I've taken a lot of shots. You come screen for me. They'll switch. Yeah. I'll dump it to you in the post. He just has that point guard sense for how to keep the ecosystem humming. Now, you just nailed it on the Knicks. It's it's already starting. We've talked about it on NBA Today a bunch this week. As it becomes clear that they're going to be a playoff team, we're now going to revisit two years ago when they were a paper tiger and they got exposed in the playoffs. And people are going to say, well, they're going to have to prove it. Remember last time they played the Hawks and it was like Julius Randle going one on everyone and it didn't work. This is not that team. This is a totally totally different different. team. Jalen Brunson completely changed this team. Quickly has made not just a leap, a mega leap off the bench. Hart has a different dimension, and Mitchell Robinson just came back from injury, has really Free straight
2: double doubles.
1: He never misses because he just dunks, but it, but that's not a bad thing. Like he's he has so much gravity going into the lane that their shooter is going to be open all the time. Defensively, he's reached a totally different level. This team is more dynamic, more diverse than the team that made it two years ago. I will say though, you nailed their identity. I think the reason why them being fifth on offense is surprising and there will be questions about how sustainable it is, is because it's everything but shot-making that's driving the offense. They don't take a lot of threes. They don't take a lot of shots at the rim. They are a bad shooting team almost across the board. 21st in three-point accuracy, 27th in restricted area shooting. But they're ninth in free throws. They never turn the ball over. And they're second in offensive rebounding. They all, the marginal stuff, all the not sexy, not shooting, they're like the anti warriors on right. offense. Yep. And I don't see, we go through this, we went through it with Memphis last year, who's a transition offensive rebounding team. Like, oh, is this sustainable? Is this going to work in the playoffs? And that the was more-
2: my thought. You're going over those things, and I'm thinking the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. And you know, they're what? winning the possession game.
1: And you know what? The Grizzlies did fine in the playoffs last year. They lost to the Warriors. Jaw was hurt. The more I watch these teams and and the different styles, and I I do think the playoffs are different than the regular season. That's clear. Certain things become more important in the playoffs than in in the regular season. Certain parts of offense are harder to get to in the playoffs than in the regular season. All that's true. But the more I watch these teams, the more I'm like, if you're good at what you do, you're just good at what you do. And you're going to be good at what you do in the playoffs. I think the Knicks are going to be a really dangerous playoff team.
2: I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it's the variance in shooting from R.J. Barrett. I remember when he came out and we were doing Summer League games, and I love Seth Greenberg on college basketball. And, you know, I'll hit him up at Summer League for some information. And he saw me cover a Knicks game, and R.J. was struggling to shoot it. And he's just like, this is real. And he's got to figure it out. And there's such, like, he just goes up and down. I, I just you know, how much would he elevate that group if he could consistently knock down shots because of the, the, you know, what Julius and Jalen, uh, bring to the table. Um, but I love Mitchell Robinson, this guy, I feel like the upside is still there and it's funny, you know, the, the wrist injury as opposed to the injury that hurt him the last time he talked about, all he did was run. And the time he was off, he looked so well conditioned, Zach, um, and that was something he could not do. Now you can extend his stints, stretch out those minutes that he plays in succession. And uh
1: well, yeah. I, I remember when he was younger, he I, I write a column every preseason, of my six most intriguing players for the season. And years ago he was in it. And I talked with him about I said, Hey, Mitch, I, I watched a lot of film where you play defense. Like a lot of times when you're in the pick and roll, you know, you got to guard too. Your arms are down at your sides. Like, if the coach has talked to you about that and he laughs, I th- in my memory at least, I'd have to go back and look at it. But we definitely talked about it. And he and, and people around him were like, yeah, you don't realize like that's hard work to get your arms out there. Every single possession takes effort. You watch him now. His arms are everywhere. He's in a stance. He's got the proper angle. DB, they are plus 10 per 100 possessions with Mitchell Robinson on the floor and dead even when he's on the bench. Oof, and resetting wow. that center rotation so it's him and Hartenstein and Jericho yeah. Sims is a luxury is a big yep. deal. Can I tell you my favorite Knicks stat of the year right now?
2: Okay, <laughs> yeah, of course.
1: It's new. It's fresh. It's fresh. That's why I like it. It's fresh. In 97 minutes, just 97 minutes, with Brunson quickly and Hart on the floor. And that's quick, That's becoming Tibbs' little pet you know, perimeter threesome. He likes those three together. You can tell they close games. So Brunson quickly Hart, 97 minutes. The Knicks are plus 60 in 97, in 97 minutes with those. Like that's not even a real, that's not even possible. You could play wow. five on four and not be plus 60 in 97 minutes.
2: Wow. They that's are so
1: killing it. And quickly, I haven't done the deep awards dive yet. I've heard the quickly six man of the year buzz like, oh, he's mm-hmm. in the conversation now. Oh, I think mm-hmm. he is in the conversation. He's been that good, and the shooting has gotten back up to where you expect it to be. He's at 36% from three. Yeah, the, the
2: impact he's having defensively. Oh
1: my God. He you can't screen him. You can't Correct. He, he's around every screen. He's got super long arms.
2: Long arms, you know, you can get skinny. He uses, gets his top foot up. He's up and over. He's fast. Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting. I love how Josh Hart, like He's been there five seconds and the crowd loves this guy. And uh, I love the facial expressions of this too. <laughs> like the technical foul of the opponent. hes I just, I don't know. There's a vibe about him that I, I love. There's a little, uh, there's a cute little exchange on Twitter with Jalen and, and Josh Hart. Like, I don't know. There, as, as Fred said, the vibes feel immaculate. Winning obviously solves a lot of things. 10 times they've held their opponent. Um, below 100 points, like I feel like that's that's increasingly difficult to do in this in this day and age, isn't it? Like keeping a team under 100 feels like an impossible task anymore.
1: I think they're and and the heart thing, I, you knew he was going to take Deuce McBride's minutes, right? Like you yeah. knew, and, and you wondered, like they can't trade a first round pick just to re- replace Deuce McBride's minutes, and it was clear immediately. Oh, he's going to take some Grimes minutes. Yep. And some Barrett minutes and and that's gonna put pressure on those guys to perform because if they don't, he's gonna be there breathing down their neck. and that's been the case, and he's been he's been outstanding. Um I feel like I let's do five minutes on Boston if you can spare it. I feel like I just haven't talked much about Boston because they're just top of the east all year long now they've slipped a second. They've had some injuries, like Marcus Smart was out for a bit. Robert Williams has been in and out. Jalen Brown Jaylen missed Brown. a couple, re- missed a few recent games.
2: Um, Tatum comes out of the All Star has three abysmal shooting games,
1: and everyone panics. We have to do the obligatory, like, "What's wrong with Jason Tatum?" Turns out, nothing. Nothing's wrong yeah. with it's the most boring <laughs> possible answer. It's like nothing's like he when he's going through a slump. He's probably going to score forty one points tonight. Forty one points. Um, I
2: asked him. I asked him the day before the game. I said, "Hey, listen, you know, this is what you're shooting twenty for sixty something." I said, you're all right? Physically you're all right? He goes, You know, I've been through this before, right? I said, Yeah. Like he couldn't have been. I mean, I know his temperament is steady and even anyway, but I was like, Yes, I'm fine. And then as you said, he erupted last night, which was fun to watch.
1: They're third in offense, fourth in defense, the only team in yeah. the top five in both. Yep. First in net rating, favorites to get the number one seed in the East, and thus the number one overall seed. They're top seven smart. Brown, Tatum, Horford, Robert Williams in the starting five, and Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon off the bench. It's the best yeah. top seven in the NBA. That's the best. That's the best top seven in the league. I think they're the most complete team in the league. Williams is a the the Williams at center lineups are a totally different look than the Horford at center lineups. It was interesting last night against Cleveland that Grant, Grant Williams, Williams didn't play.
2: I I was I didn't know, he, then I see something post game Zach that said he had played every single game last year. Obviously you know, critical stages in the playoffs and played every game he was available for this year, I think 60 of 61. Um, And I was like, whoa, what happened there? And I heard Joe's comments post-game. You think it's a non-story or you think it's a story?
1: His minutes have been declining in the last two months. There were even some trade rumblings about him that I I frankly didn't believe because restricted free agency, which they're going to have on him, is a very powerful cudgel. And while Cleveland may not be a great matchup for him, he spends a lot of time guarding Embiid when the Celtics play Philly, and he spends a lot of time guarding Giannis when yes. the Celtics play Milwaukee. 100%. And so, I just think even if he becomes the eighth guy, and not quite a luxury, but something close to it, that's you win championships with guys who are maybe luxuries. It's like Bobby Portis didn't play against the Nets in the playoffs when the Bucks won the title, right. and then You're becomes right. a, a critical piece. Going forward, But I do think Boston's depth is kind of a Rorschach, Rorschach, Rorschach test, you know, those little blotchy things that one person could look at and see like an old lady's face and another person can look at and see a goblet or something. Like they go seven deep. We know their top seven is amazing. Last night, they kind of stopped at seven. Like Hauser and Muscala played 20 minutes combined. Will those guys be in the playoff rotation? Maybe sometimes, maybe not always. Grant Williams doesn't play. And Blake Griffin doesn't play, Luke Cornette doesn't play, Peyton Pritchard doesn't Peyton Pritchard. play. And you're like, is this team deep or not? And then they have a game where all their stars sit and like Hauser has 31 and Blake Griffin does stuff. You're like, oh, they're deep. Look how deep they are. But I think they are still the most complete team in the league.
2: Um, the play the play of Derek White has oh, ridiculous. Been, it's been so good. Um, you know, he he is one of those guys, you know, you can you can play him. And he doesn't have to take a shot for five minutes, and it's never going to diminish his effort. Uh, you know, might get beat off the bounce, but gets a backside block. Um, the the flying in from 15 feet to get an offensive rebound. He's a possession creator, possession saver. it um, on the defensive end. Can explode offensively. We've seen that enough. There's been a lot in the Boston media, Zach, about how he you know, two games ago, I think was plus 26, the highest plus minus then doesn't play in the fourth quarter or final five of fourth quarter in overtime. And you hear Joe talk all the time about humility. You know, I've talked about the vibes of, um, of New York, you know, we've been to Boston's practice facility several times, just like the air around the guys who don't play. So Blake, you, you constantly see I'm always paying attention to the benches and our people, really happy if they're not playing like that's hard and blake always in the year of peyton pritchard or just the you feel you don't feel weighted down by the guys not playing that's significant that has an effect on the feel and the vibe of the locker room and so um you know those will be interesting choices for, for joe missoula and I, I find joe absolutely fascinating in this way you know, he was talking to us pregame. I hope I'm not giving anything away. He can yell at me if I do. But we were talking to a pregame yesterday. And he said, you know, sometimes I do wonder about my own demeanor. Am I too, yeah, I don't want to say st- I can't remember the word he used. But, you know, does, does he need to change his cadence at all as a head coach? And um, you, you, rea- you marvel at how he's reacted at 34 and the circumstance he's faced. But what I always think is he's always thinking ahead. Where can I be better? What do I need to do? Am I giving this group what they need? Um, so much made about the, the lack of timeouts with Joe. Well, I tell you, where it helped to have the timeouts down the stretch of that game was that Philly game, right? He had one. Philly doesn't. They they execute a play. Same play they had tied the game against Cleveland with earlier. At that time though, you know, Jason goes and dunks on Jared Allen. Um, I just think there's a lot to like about him as well.
1: Understated. The only reason the timeouts thing became a thing is that it's something anyone can see. Like, to to actually analyze the X's and O's and the rotations and the lineups, you have to really pay close attention to the game and understand what's going on. Anybody can see, like, oh, he didn't call timeout there. He doesn't call timeout. It was just, like, the lowest-hanging fruit possible. It's a dumb yeah. it's a dumb thing. Um, On White and Brogdon, I mean, there's an alternate universe where they're like, a good they're like the starting backcourt of a 38 win Pacers team or something 100%. like that like and they're they're coming off the bench for yeah. the Celtics both of them and Brogdon Brogdon plays a different style than you have Brown and Tatum who are the scoring stars of the team they're the fulcrums of the offense they get to hold the ball they get to do all the star stuff everyone else is kind of a quick mover cutter screener doesn't hold the ball doesn't over dribble except Brogdon Brogdon kind of stands out as the only deliberate non-star on the Celtics. He has the highest pick and roll volume on the team per per possession, higher than Tatum, higher than Brown. He has the third highest usage rate on the team by far behind those two guys. And I know that that's been – he's not for everybody stylistically for that reason – I love that he sticks out stylistically from the other Celtics role players. I love that they have another guy who's like, I can get you, I can get us some buckets. You need me to like burrow inside with my shoulder and lay the ball up. You need me to take a long two on the pick and roll. Like, I can get mine. I'm cool getting mine. I don't care if Jason Tatum's on the floor. I can get mine too. Oh, yeah. I think they need that change of pace among their like other guys that are not Tatum and Brown.
2: There's a self possession about M- Malcolm. He's very comfortable in whatever role you want to put him in. Thinks it at a high level. It's funny. Yesterday, there was a stretch where I was like, oh, he hasn't really taken a shot here. Um, But then there will be moments where it's just like "Oh, timely bucket, timely decision, timely kick. Um, You're right. He can get in the paint, and he's not doing it with speed or athleticism by any stretch of the imagination. I
1: don't know how he gets these layups where he just catches the ball, drives into your chest, and gets you to open up your stance like – 2 inches and then his yeah. shoulders just in your chin and the yeah. ball's in the basket.
2: Yep, he's getting any necessary separation because of his strength. Yeah. I've always been an admirer. I it's funny I remember talking about him at Virginia when I was still covering college basketball. I was like, I think he's a I think he's an NBA player. And I think I remember getting killed about it because, you know, not fast enough. You know, what skill does he have that's great and he was injured for time. And I, I don't know what it was. I was just like, I think he's in, And probably because Tony Bennett said, this guy's an NBA player. He can play on any roster. He's going to help your team win. He's going to do everything right defensively. Um, yeah, Malcolm is. And you're right. I hadn't I haven't thought of it in that context. He is totally different from the rest of that group.
1: I'm not going to ask you to make a pick unless you want to. Because I don't like to put people on the spot. But I will put myself on the spot. It is March. It's March 2nd. Where I don't know how it became March. It's March 2nd.
2: Amen. Amen. Um, like, it's March. The sun is starting to shine. I know.
1: I know. <laughs> Although we finally got some snow, uh, I was, I was, I was aching for a little snow. But anyway, it's March second. Yeah. I picked the Bucks to win the championship before the season. Mm. There's a big part of me that's like, well, that's your pick. You got to stick with it, you know. But obviously, information changes. Injuries happen. Trades happen. I, I, you know, you can reserve the right if you want to switch your picks if, if things go hay. Like if you pick the Nets to win the championship. I don't think you got to stick with that one. I think you can pick another team if but if you ask me right now fresh start from scratch pretend I never made a pick, who's winning the Eastern Conference? Because I because I picked them to begin with and because they're playing now, I'm still going Bucks over Celtics. I don't feel great about it. I think Boston's the best top to bottom team in the NBA, but I've just been it's been in my gut since last May. I think Giannis is out for blood this year and I and I and I, and I I'm just not picking against them until they lose.
2: If, you, if you're forcing me to make a no, no, I'm
1: not. I'm not. I'm not. Ah, uh,
2: yeah. I mean, I don't mind picking. And, and, you know, we are always guilty in the NBA of recency bias. But I'm just going to go to – it was interesting when Maliki Andrews sat down with the four young stars and asked them who they thought the best player was. And they said Giannis. And I would just say Giannis and the hunger. He's not satisfied with one by any stretch of the imagination as long as he stays healthy. Um and even when he isn't healthy, I mean you think the way his knee bent uh in the championship season, I didn't think he had a chance of playing again. And he was talking about this, you know, the other day. Do you think you're underappreciated for playing through injury? He said, probably, but I don't I don't mind that. Um he's trying to hide some elbow thing, his hand, his wrist, whatever it is. He's he's remarkable, Zach. It's a pleasure to be able to cover somebody who thirsts for greatness the way he does, and it's so you know, I'm not a gambler by any stretch, and I don't like having to pick. Um, but if you're, you know, if I if I had to say who I thought would win it, I'm, I'm guilty of saying yeah, I'm getting on the Giannis train.
1: Well, you know, uh, I will admit I, my preseason pick for the Western Conference champion was the Clippers, and that ain't looking so good right now. So I, I can pat myself on the back for being high on the Bucks. Anybody could have been high on the Bucks. Clippers are not looking great, but I'm sticking with the Bucks. That's that's, and I just we're either going to get buck celtics and it's going to be epic or something crazy unexpected and hopefully fun is going to happen on the way there you and i will be chronicling all of it i cannot wait to get a glass of wine after a game in one of these eastern conference playoff cities along the way doris burke you're you're a hall of famer i don't know what the hell you're doing on this podcast but you're a hall of famer every time i get to talk to you it's a pleasure thank you for joining us on the low post
2: thanks for having me zach
1: Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price anywhere from $25 and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's macy's.com slash gift finder. your team. Call 1-800-DIRECT-TV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. All right, let's jump to the Western Conference where maybe the most significant on-court event or at least on-court debut of the year happened last night in Charlotte. Kevin Durant debuted for the Phoenix Suns in a I don't know what the final score was. A vict- I think 105-91. A victory of some kind that was not that interesting for Phoenix. They traded four first-round picks, one swap. The only swap they could trade. Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder. Four. Kevin Durant. Eddie Johnson. 19,202 career points in the NBA. Host of... Co-host with Justin Termini of NBA Today for SiriusXM. Color analyst for the Phoenix Suns local broadcast with the great K. Ray and sometimes A.M. Myers throwing in there. <laughs> Eddie Johnson... What say you? How'd you think of uh, what'd you think of the first game together? Was it Katie didn't play as many minutes. We we're gonna see him play, but we saw the new starting five with Josh Kogi as the fifth guy. I thought it was gonna be Tory Craig, then with Josh Akogi. Right. either or fine with me. We we saw some CP Booker Durant eight in minutes, a lot, a decent amount of the big four. What'd you think?
0: Uh, I wasn't shocked, Zach. I don't think you were either. I mean, we've seen enough of Kevin Durant and uh, how he plays basketball to know that he fits into anything, right? And seamlessly, because he's an unselfish basketball player. He's a guy that can play off the ball. If you give him minutes, he will score. Like, scores always had that mentality. Like, for me as a player, I would tell a coach, I don't care what you run. All I want is minutes. I'll get my numbers. And that's why KD is looked at as an old, old soul in regards to basketball. He knows how to play it the old school way, And he knows how to devastate you the new school way. And so I had no hesitation, no thoughts of anything going south because the guy is always in shape. He returns from injury better than most players we've seen. And I just knew in the Suns' offense that he would be fine.
1: Take me back to the trade deadline itself because the Suns have obviously had an up-and-down season, but they had started to catch a little bit of rhythm before the deadline with Booker coming back and Chris kind of playing a little better. There were rumblings that maybe they were going to go a different way and say, hey, can we maybe bring another good player in here to add to our core? Keep Bridges, keep Cam Johnson. The name that came up was John Collins. And and that's a path you would have taken if you thought that team's good enough to win a championship with Chris Paul at age 37. When you heard those rumblings and you heard the KD rumblings, are you surprised at all that the KD version of this all in for one guy, one out? Did you think that that t- other version of the team had enough upside to be worth looking at? Or was this just a no-brainer? It's Kevin Durant. Go get Kevin Durant.
0: No, it's a no-brainer. You you go get Kevin Durant. And, and the reason you go get him is not because he's an all-time great. He's an all-time great that if you trade for him in the middle of the year especially, he will fit into your offense seamlessly. That he won't disrupt. That he just knows how to play basketball. And he's a champion. And so that's why you would do it. Uh, And the Suns had no hesitation in doing it. Uh, They had some hurt. They obviously had some heavy hearts. Uh, We gave up Mikael Bridges and we gave up Cam Johnson. And you're talking about two first-class professional individuals. That was hard to do. Uh, I didn't too much think about the draft picks because that's some kid in middle school somewhere. We just don't know how that's going to turn out. So I'm not one of those guys that, you know, just say, oh, you got to keep your draft picks. Uh, I would like to win now. Not like I got a lot of time left on this earth. I want to see the Suns win a championship. And so I was happy. I was ecstatic about it. I was. We were in New York. Uh, I had, it was like 1 o'clock in the morning, I believe. Uh, no, we were, I don't, no, we weren't in New York. I think we were in Atlanta somewhere. I don't even remember. But it was like 1 o'clock in the morning. And when I saw that come across my phone, I just jumped up and down. It was just like, this is what this team needed. And they got them. And yes, he gave up a lot, but it's worth the roll of the dice.
1: Yeah, I, I've I've gone over it enough now. Um, I think they correctly concluded with Chris at thirty-seven, and and this year having kind of an up and down year where he he was not able to carry the team when Devin was hurt. I don't think they were going to win the championship with their core as it was, right. even with the West a little muddled this year. And the risk is the risk is there. I mean, Kevin's thirty-four. Coming off of the injury, Chris is thirty-seven, injured in the playoffs almost every year. Seemingly, the picks matter. The young talent out the door matters, but I think the Suns are betting a Devin Booker's twenty-five mm-hmm. or whatever he is. DeAndre Ayton's even younger than that. We are not at risk of falling into this like Brooklyn Nets post KG Paul Pierce trade hell where we're just in a valley of nothingness, um, and and. And B, we can win the title with this group. And that's the whole point of this. And the present team we had wasn't going to win the title. The theoretical team where we just keep it together and do nothing and have all our draft picks, that's unlikely to lead to a title too because every path is unlikely to lead to a title. So let's just go for it. And I think my take on it was – I'd like to hear your take. I, I the, the health makes me a little hesitant to just say mm-hmm. they're clearly the favorites in the Western Conference. I have a lot of respect for Denver. Mm-hmm. I think – the Warriors could be heard from, the Clippers could be heard from, the Grizzlies could be heard from, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I, I said this, I think I would put them slight favorites over Denver. At least co-favorites because I think their pull-up jump shooting, I mean this is the greatest collection of pull-up jump shooting we've ever seen. Maybe the greatest collection of three pick-and-roll ball handlers on one team we've ever seen. I think that's going to be a tough matchup for Denver. Denver will present certain matchups that are tough for them, although mm-hmm. Aiton has handled Jokic about as well as, I mean, no one handles Jokic, but he does mm-hmm. okay. Um, I think I'd put them slight, slight favorites over Denver, but it's, it, I, I don't think they're no-brainer favorites in the West, let alone right. over Milwaukee and Boston, but maybe you disagree.
0: Yeah, you said the key thing initially, though. You said Devin Booker, 25, DeAndre Aiton, 22, 22, right? So you're talking about two guys. Devin Booker right now, in my estimation, is the best two-guard in the game. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, when he is when he is focused and he's in rhythm, you can you can fight for the third best center in the game behind obviously Embiid and Jokic, whoever you can put there. I don't think talent wise, talent spicy, talent wise, he should be three now, right? The only reason he's not there is the inconsistency, right? But you got two guys that if you're Kevin Durant and you and you're Chris Paul. You want to hit your wagon to very good, dynamic young players because they will extend your career and you won't have huge responsibility of carrying and you'll still be able to be productive. That's similar to what LeBron has tried to do. Right. I mean, with Anthony Davis. So I think they're in a perfect position for them. And I think that's why Kevin Durant wanted to be here. And I think that's why Chris Paul decided to come here is that when you're around guys like that, they can extend your career. And I think that's where it sits now with them. And so they're in a pristine situation. Uh, Like I said, Kevin Durant heals better than anybody because he works on his game and he comes back. And he's always shown us when he does come back from injury, as he did last night, he is right back to being Kevin Durant. And you're right. Look, I'm I'm saying Denver is the best team right now in the West because they've shown it. I'd be a hypocrite if I do anything different because last year when the Suns were winning a ton of games, 64 games, I said they were the best team. So I'm not, gonna, I'm not going. I'm not. And look, you looking at Nikola Jokic, who might get his third MVP. If you're going to win MVP three straight years, well, you better damn well be right now the best team when you're healthy. And they're healthy pretty much with with, with Murray and with Michael Porter Jr. up and down. But still, Aaron Gordon playing the way he's playing. They pick up Reggie Jackson. They have one of the deepest teams in the league, so they should be the favorite team. They have the best record in the West. That's the way it should be. But if this Suns team had Kevin Durant at the beginning of the year. I don't think it'll be close. That's how good I think they can grow. So it's up to them to really bond and, and heal together because they still have ways to go. I don't think Devin Booker's where he wants to be, and Kevin Durant obviously is not. But if they can stay healthy, I can't see anybody beating them. But I'm going to still say Denver is the favorite because that's the pressure, Zach, that we put on all-time greats. And Jokic is like an all-time great winning three MVPs. And Possibly. I'm not going to let him off the hook. Yeah, because Giannis is making a run.
1: Without and Embiid's making a run. And Embiid's making a run. Yes. The 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 interesting thing about making a huge trade like this at the trade deadline, and people say midseason, it's not midseason. There's 20 mm-hmm. games left in the season. Is a you know in the summer they'll have a chance to sort of retool their bench a little bit right. that they don't have now. Um, and B, obviously there's not a lot of time left. So you look at the Suns, they're four games out of third in the loss column with 19 games or whatever left to go. That's a lot to make up, even for a team that just got to Kevin Durant. They might be stuck in the four or five bracket, which is is for them, they probably don't care. It's like we have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul. We don't care. But that might mean like Golden State first round, Denver second round. It's which is again, like they're gonna have to beat those teams eventually. But these these clashes we're talking about between, you know, the co-favorites in the West, like Denver Phoenix is on course right now to be this a second round series. Um in the playoffs which is interesting but I want to go back to last night we only have one game that we've seen them play it was against Charlotte and undermanned Charlotte at that I watched it and and a lot of it was like you said expected like Kevin Durant is the most fittable malleable superstar in the history of the NBA there is yep. no anxiety about oh we only have one ball how are we gonna no did he just did you knew anything with him and and you saw them go through some of the screening combinations and set pieces that he makes possible for them. There was, you know, on one side of the floor, you have Chris Paul and Durant running a pick and roll Mm -hmm. at the same time. Booker comes around a double pin down on the other side. It's like, what the hell am I supposed to do with that? If I switch on one side, Kevin Durant's got a mismatch. If my, if I'm peeking at that, Devin Booker's popping off for an open three. You can use Kevin Durant as the ball handler, all their Spain pick and roll stuff, their stack pick and roll stuff that they do. It's all there. I thought they kind of, they looked slow to me last night. Not in a way that they're slow, slow, but, like, they're kind of kind of figuring out, like, all right, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's see how this looks. Like, w- when they just start playing and they start playing fast, like, they looked guardable to me last night. Really good, but guardable. I think when they add a little juice to it, it's going to look spectacular.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. I think it was more so the guys just really hesitating and, and, and focusing on KD. That's what happens when you get a player of his magnitude come to your team that you want to make sure you get him involved right away. And KD has been clear to everybody. He's telling them, go for it. So the best thing to me that came out of last night, Zach, was Devin Booker took 20 something plus shots because that let me know that Devin was going to still be Devin. And, and, and I think that was key for Devin, you know, and I think KD is telling him that like, Look, it doesn't matter. And the beautiful part about both of those guys, like I said earlier, if they get 30 minutes, they're both going to score big numbers. Like, so it's not even about who gets the most shots, who, you know, if you looking for about two, three possessions, it doesn't matter. They're going to wind up with big points and then big stats that's going to help this team win. And, yeah, they did look slow, but I think it was more so because they were just thinking. And I think they yeah. were enjoying – and they were enjoying, like, I remember when I, I, in the middle of the season, I, I got moved to Houston. I went there and signed with them because I got bought out during the middle of the season. And I, I signed with Houston. And, you know, I go to that locker room and I saw King, Charles, and Clyde, Kevin Willard. And I was just like a kid in the Christmas. <laughs> I, mean, I was like, wow. You know, and you tend to just slow down. You tend to not want to mess it up. And And I just think they just felt like, you know, last night they were going to win the game. And they just kind of just went slow, as you said, trying to make sure everything worked well. But I think we're gonna to start to ramp it up here as KD, you know, gets more minutes and because he's obviously healthy and the way he was moving. So it's just about him getting more minutes. The thing that,
1: you know, you go when a trade like this happens, you go through sort of all the ways the team's gonna change and you anticipate all these things. And one of the things that I anticipated, but seeing it, it was a bigger change than I anticipated they have a real power forward now in Kevin Durant. Like his length and his size on defense made them look much bigger than they had looked before. And you knew they were a small team like Cam Johnson's playing the four. Sometimes Mm -hmm. Bridges playing the four. Craig's playing the four. You knew they were a little undersized. But to see, okay, now they got a seven-footer with a wingspan. He's just like throwing shots back from Mark Williams. His size, he's not a great rebounder, but he's big and he's a good rebounder. That's going to change their look and feel, I think, more than I anticipated. You notice that, too?
0: Oh, without a doubt, because it opens up everything for the guys that I know a lot of people are saying the Suns are top heavy and all of that. And I'm saying to myself, they're going to find out. Like, Joshua Kogi has played extremely well this year. Uh, Tory Craig, extremely well this year. Uh, do they replace Mikhail, who's an all-world defender, and Cam Johnson with a shooting? Probably not. But KD pretty much covered those two with their scoring. Now all they need to do, Torrey Craig, Joshua Kogey, Damian Lee, just go out there, work hard, hustle, and get ready to enjoy being in a gym by yourself because <laughs> somebody's got to double. And those are the ones they're going to double off of. And you're gonna get all these open shots, So you better work on your open shots. You don't even need a defender in practice. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, don't need, you don't
1: need to dribble, and you don't no, need a defender.
0: nothing. You, you just go play. And the, and the great thing about uh, Joshua Kogi and 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 and, and Tori is that they both are tremendous rebounders. And so it just it with KD in the lineup now, it gives those guys an opportunity to, to do damage against guys that's their size. Whereas Torrey has had to guard bigger players, and now he doesn't. And now he has the advantage against smaller guys. And so that's going to be the change for them. So, Zach, just watch how much this bench looks better than what people thought Interesting. Uh,
1: because of it. Akogi, I, I found this stat last week. Akogi, I've always had a soft spot for him because he just plays so hard, mm-hmm. and he's such a good defender. He just hasn't been able to make enough shots. He and Craig have added this offensive rebounding element to the Suns this year. I found this last week. Akogi's on pace to be the first player 6'4 or shorter to have an offensive rebounding rate higher than 10%, which means he gets, he rebounds at least 10% of Phoenix's misses when he's on the floor in 33 years. Like he's having the best mm. guard offensive rebounding season in a long, long time. Um, That said, you could see, obviously, teams are going to try to funnel shots to him or Craig or whoever the fifth guy is. And you go through their bench. DeAndre
0: is going to be the fifth guy. And that's why DeAndre is going to be like a kid in the Christmas. He better feast, man. He better feast. He he, he is. He's the uh, he's the second one. Like, because they're not going to leave Chris Paul. I don't care what they say. Chris Paul coming (laughs) off that two man game at 12 feet, please. I mean, you could argue he's their best 12 foot jump shooter you know, off that pick and roll. He hasn't shot the ball well uh, at, at times this year, but he is devastating. If he's got wide open looks off a little 12-foot jumper, that's so they can't do that. It's going to be DeAndre trying to help off him, and DeAndre's got to know, man, he he's going to get so many easy buckets this year. It's ridiculous. What is the relationship
1: between the key players and DeAndre from your perspective and Monty Williams and DeAndre from your perspective? Because, you know, you hear all this buzz about, you oh, they kind of run hot and cold on him. The Monty stuff got well publicized. Is he going to be the guy that goes out in these trades? And they have all these. You hear about the oh, people in Phoenix have qualms about him. I'm like, I get all that. He fades from contact. I wish he got to the free throw line more, blah, blah. blah. I'm like, I watch him play. And I'm like, I think this guy's pretty good. I, I, I've been I, I've been a eight and buyer. And I understand all the qualms and all the hesitations, some of which you're closer to than I am, which is why I'm asking you. But like, this guy averages 18 a game. He can make a jump shot. And he's one of the only centers who can, you know, defend a pick and roll 30 feet from the basket and like play Jokic one on one in the post. And it's not an emergency. But what if, what what, being around the
0: team, like, what is the eight and noise? What is it about? They're motivating him. Like, Cotton Fitzsimmons told me when I was a 23-year-old and I was getting my second 30s, I'm getting 20 points a game and getting about six rebounds. And he looked at me, he said, you satisfied with that? He said, if that guy over there was doing that, I'd be happy. I know that's his limitation. But you can give me 40-point games. Like, you can go get me 30. You can give me 10, 8, 9 rebounds. Why are you settling? And that was impactful for me. And, like... So if a non-jumping guy like Eddie, <laughs> if a coach is telling him that, right, you look at DeAndre. DeAndre is as flexible as any player in the league. they will be almost doing splits in warm-ups, okay? I mean, I'm telling you, run the floor. He, he's a walking double-double. And what they're telling him is, are you satisfied with just getting 13 rebounds? Are you satisfied with just 24 points? No, oh, man. You should be going for 40. Like, you should be going for 20 rebounds. That's why they're pushing him. He has the ability, and he had a 20-rebound game, I think, this year, and he had a stretch of two games where he had in the 30s and, like, 19, 18 rebounds. That's what he can do. Like, that's his ceiling, and they're pushing him to get to his ceiling. That's all they're doing, Like They love DeAndre. DeAndre is one of the most fun-loving guys. When we travel, you see him. They all got along. They all get along. You know, everybody's thoroughly in their own way. But, no, these guys love him. So I laugh when people say, oh, he's a problem and Monty doesn't like him. Look, Monty Williams loves everybody, man. You know, I'm not, he's never cursed for T. He loves his relationships, but he sends messages to guys. He's sending one to T.J. Warren right now. Hey, T.J., we know you can score. You're going to go take your minutes. Go take them. We ain't giving you anything. Go take them. That's how Monty coaches, man. And, and so that relationship has gotten better with DeAndre this year. It's fun.
1: I'm glad you brought up T.J. Warren because you just you just read the bench guys' names on the Suns and and mm-hmm. we we've mentioned Kogi and Craig who have been outstanding for them all year. Akogi's now starting. So off the bench, you've got I, Craig is in pen. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to be the backup center right now. It's Landale. It'll right. be Biombo at some point. At maybe it'll maybe maybe it'll be Durant at some stretch of some matchup. Um. Campaign, you can put him in Penn, I think, is the backup point guard. Shamit just had an injury update yesterday that was like, eh, we'll see. I, I think he's useful. Damian Lee's been solid for them. Ish Wainwright's 34% for three has been pretty solid for them. You mentioned Warren, who can get buckets but still doesn't look like, right. athletically, he has the right. length and the bounce and to Ross, have. Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross, he who they picked wanted. up yeah. off, off the buyout wire. He's, he's a shooter. And, and you say the names – and and it's like I know all those names. I've I've seen all those guys do good things in the NBA. They some of them can shoot, some of them can play defense. They all kind of fit. And you talk yourself into like it's a pretty good bench. And then you read the names again, and you're like, well, some of those guys have been out of the rotation on bad teams a lot of their careers, or they're really. They all sound good, but it's really like a a bunch of ninth guys there's there's you know is there really a mm-hmm. sixth and seventh guy compared them to Derek white and malcolm Brogdon mm-hmm. is, is it is so i I don't know the answer to this some Some days I wake up I'm like pretty good bench. The next day I wake up I'm like, eh, I'm kind of worried about the bench. Is the bench good enough? Does it even matter when these are your top three guys is yeah. Is the bench good enough?
0: I don't think it matters because he's not going to have all four of those guys on the bench at one time. like when KD's minutes get to what they're supposed to be. Like KD played with the second unit in the second quarter, so he's going to keep a mixture of those guys on the floor with them, and that's two what's at going a make time. Them, two at
1: a time when it matters. Right, when it that's matters. what's going to
0: make them. That's what's going to make them potent. But I can just tell you that all these guys can play, and they just haven't had their opportunity. Like I remember, like go back to the Bulls teams, right? The Judge Bushlers of the world and the Paxons of the world. They were these guys. But look what those guys did for them when they needed them to do something special. Scott Williams D-cut. comes in and wins a quarter against D-cut. the Blazers in the exactly. finals. Exactly. You know? and, and so I, I I look at these guys playing roles like this where they're not asking you to do anything but hustle, pay attention to detail, and when you get your shot, you shoot it with confidence. We're not. They're not running. The only person I think off of that bench that they're going to run plays for is Terrence Ross. That's it. I don't think they're going to run plays for anybody else. T.J. Warren has made a living without plays being run for him. He's one of the best offensive rebounders at his position. He runs the floor better than anybody. And he looks like he's healthy. Uh, and so I th- I envision him having an impact during the playoffs in particular games where he comes off the bench because of foul trouble. Somebody's nicked up, and he steps up. So I'm not, af- I'm not afraid of their bench. And you're right. Kevin Durant can go powerful to center. I would love for them to maybe have picked up another big guy, and maybe they might. I don't know, uh, but the, the the point is, I think they're already set because you can bring Busy B- boy in there, and he'll hurt some people. I mean, he'll go in there; he's not going to score, but they wouldn't need him to score with that group. Just set screens, get rebounds,
1: and, and finish a dunk. Man, I don't want to see any more jump hooks, but finish <laughs> it.
0: Dunk. Uh... Yeah, his 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 form on his shot is something. I, I'm like, I'm like, man, I just love to get in the gym with him. And just like just getting his mindset of just following through on a shot, it's like he just he does everything right in the initiation of it, but he just doesn't follow through on it. And
1: you know, I, I got to tell you, I it it was a so I was at Madison Square Garden last night watching Knicks versus Nets, Kevin Durant's old team, and during commercials and halftime, I was watching Suns Hornets, Kevin Durant's uh-huh. new team, and I had these moments where I was like. Kevin Durant plays for the Suns <laughs> the last time I saw Kevin Durant playing basketball, he played for the Nets, and they had won eighteen <laughs> out of nineteen games, yeah, and now he's on the suns, and right there below me, the Nets are getting destroyed by the Knicks <laughs> what am I is this all a dream like what happened it was a it was a very strange sensation, yeah, um, but he does play for the Suns before we go, we just got news before we went on. That LeBron, according to ESPN's Dave McMenamin, is going to be reevaluated in three weeks, which gets us to March 23rd. You probably project reevaluated does not mean he returns on March 23rd. So let's just go another week after that. You're into April. Um, what do you make of the Anthony Davis is I think going to come back soon. Same with D'Lo. What do you make of this Lakers season? Like, do we need to know if LeBron can even come back in the playoffs to make an assessment? Is it over? Is it not over? Like, what? it's just – this is such a bummer. He's got a tendon injury, according to, yeah. to Dave McMenamin.
0: I think if he had this group at the beginning of the year, they'd be right up there with everybody else. I like that team. Uh, Me too. And so uh, because of that, so many changes – uh, I think it, it's, it's been a mini struggle for them, but they played well. They played as good as anybody over the last what number of weeks. So, yeah, I, I think they can still get in. I don't know if they can get in the top six, but I think they can get into the play in. Uh, I think we saw an example of it last night that they were able to go out there and win. Uh, I think Schroeder, you know, the humble pie he had to eat to go back to the Lakers was the best move of his career. I think he's played splendidly. I like their young guys. Vanderbilt was a huge pickup for them. I know the Suns were trying to get him uh, doing this whole entire first half of the year. And I can see why. So I just think if they get in, uh, I just don't. the, The crazy part is Denver having to face them in the first round if they get in. I, I just, you know, but the Suns had to deal with that a couple of years ago when they had to play the Lakers in the first round. Uh, so this Laker team is interesting, uh, but LeBron will be back, I think, sooner than later. Oh, interesting. It all, it all depends on how well they're playing. Like, um, if they're playing well, I could see him maybe doing it and not being as aggressive and just being out there, but just to get them into the play-in. But I wouldn't be shocked.
1: Yeah, it all depends to me if, if they – survive into the play in and, and he comes back either before then or during then I, I think th- they're not good enough to have like 75% LeBron just being like old man big right. Jason kid out on the perimeter directing traffic. They need LeBron to be uh, like to do what he's been doing this season yeah. to to really have a chance. But I do think your initial tendency when you get news like LeBron's saying on the court, I heard a pop. Is It's over. The Lakers are toast. That's it. They can't win without LeBron. Then you start to think about it more, and this is what I've been saying all week. It's like, I think they're going to hang in the 9-10 race. I I think top six is going to be gone. Seven and eight right now are Dallas and Minnesota. Those teams are just better than the Lakers. They're healthier than the Lakers. They should hang in at seventh and eighth. Ninth is Utah. They're one game under. Traded some guys at the deadline. Tenth is Pelicans. They're a game ahead of the Lakers. They
0: they just ended a long losing stretch. Zion's coming back, maybe.
1: <laughs> maybe. But then the Lakers come. They're already ahead of Portland. They're already ahead of OKC. And I, I just think they're going to be able to scrounge enough wins. And all these other teams, half of them lose every night because, A, they're not good. And, B, they all play each other. I yeah. think they're going to – if if D'Lo and AD come back soon, I think the Lakers have a pretty decent chance to get in the 9-10 bracket I do think that's their ceiling, though, and to get in from there, you got to win twice, and you're not going to have home court in the playoffs, and you're not going to have home court in the last play-in game, and maybe not in the first one. It's an uphill battle, but I think they can stay right there and and get in the ninth or 10th spot still um, if those guys come back soon.
0: I I believe they can. Uh, It it all obviously depends on LeBron, how he comes back, and AD, if he can stay healthy and just stay aggressive. Uh, AD just got to get that mentality where he just can't go a quarter and only take two shots, especially with LeBron out. Uh, But that's just his demeanor as well. He's an unselfish player to a fault, and you can't be that way when you have your other guy that you run with. You know, injured. Now, D'Angelo Russell is capable of putting up huge numbers. And so hopefully he can come back for them and then help them in that area. But like I said, if I'm at the top, I'm not too excited about having to deal with them or Golden State or the Clippers. I mean, any of those teams can fall down. I mean, and and so based on how they play lately, uh, Golden State seems to be kind of solidified and Curry's going to be here back here soon. Yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting, man. If Zion comes back, we know how good the Pelicans are when Zion is in that lineup. So oh. I mean, I it's going to be this is going to be interesting. The West yeah. was like looking like the second graded conference most of this year. Now they're the best again, and I just think it's from top to bottom is going to be very competitive.
1: Yeah, how the seating shakeout is going to be really fascinating. A lot of teams have more late season kind of questions and additions than you're used to for teams that are. are Kind of of this quality, but it's gonna be fun. Eddie Johnson, uh Sirius XM Radio, Phoenix Suns games, just the joy to listen to you and the broadcast team and you and Justin um are, are just fantastic. It's good to see All you. Right, and uh I'm gonna be we're gonna be watching a lot of Phoenix games, so we're gonna hear yeah. your voice a lot.
0: Hey, I'm back on the map again. That's how I look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
1: you, Eddie. All right,
0: Zach.